0: One of the hardest things we have to do is to trust the sovereignty of God. We have that tendency, even though we talked about walking with the king, that there's many times when we want to walk ahead of the king, we want to see what already is lying down the road for us, as opposed to walking with him. Or we have the tendency to want to walk behind the king, because we're not really sure where this path may lead us. And we're cautious about trusting him to lead us and to guide us. The way seems treacherous, seems dangerous, seems to be filled with uncertainty and to have this trust to walk with the king and to trust him, to walk with his hand. That means you've got to be with him. And it's hard sometimes we want to walk with the king, but sometimes it's the pathway that we want to walk. I want you to walk with me, but see, this is the way I'm going, God, and I want you walking with me and I want you blessing me as I go this way, rather than my trusting God. His sovereignty will always be. And to put that trust in Him is sometimes hard to do. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Sometimes it's easier to quote that psalm than it is to live that psalm. To actually trust Him to be the shepherd. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my what? My friends, my family, my associates, and all my enemies. And it's hard for us at times to want to do that. Come thou almighty King. Put that trust in Him to do the things that He would want us to do. Again, We live in a time that is filled with great uncertainty. But that's always been time, has it not? It's always been time filled with great uncertainty. You can start with Adam and Eve. In the garden had everything they wanted, but there was some uncertainty there, was there not? Listening to the words of the devil. Oh, go ahead and eat the tree. You're not going to die. And so we have uncertainties, did God really mean what he said? And that comes down through human history, all the way down through that that question has been asked either directly or indirectly, sometimes it's vocally and sometimes it's not quite as vocally, but it's in our thoughts and in our minds. Does God really mean what he says? And does he really care, as the scriptures say that he cares? We live in a world again filled with turmoil here and abroad. We have terrorism even in our own country nowadays, it seems like, and often wondering what is going on? the expression many times, you know, that if God does not punish America for his for her wickedness, that he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology because of the wickedness that we're engaged in. And I try to remind people when I hear that, I said on the other side of that, for 10 righteous souls, God would have spared the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in their wickedness. Yeah, there was 10 righteous souls. And as I read, I believe, Abraham was pleading for his family that we're in Sodom and Gomorrah for 10 righteous souls. And I've asked the question, I do not know how many righteous souls it would take God to spare America. I just pray there's enough of them. And I pray that we are of that number. And that's what counts. We'll do it that way. But we live in this uncertain time. And it's easy to get filled with anxiety. It's hard to figure out. You, you look at it and remember encountering an individual who was working for a company, and the union finally allowed the employees to have control of their their stock that the company was investing for them. They thought they could do a better job than the company was doing. And so the company agreed to the employees that you have now control of your stock in this company. And I watched as that unfolded and I watched individuals who were members of the church and that is about all that they did was watch that stock market had it on their phone they watched it whether it go up or go down what they wanted to do when they wanted to trade should they hold on to it, should they sell or whatever else it was involved that was consuming them because of uncertainty God is sovereign. And He cares for His children. Do we trust Him in doing just that? Are things going to get better or are they just going to get worse? What does that future hold? And as the saying goes, I do not know what the future holds, I just know who holds the future. If I know who holds the future, I can trust Him. He's never failed. And it doesn't again matter what happens in life and that's one of the hardest lessons we as human beings have to learn. It does not matter what happens in the physical life. We think it does. Because it's affecting me. But that's, that's not what matters. What matters is what is the health of your soul? How healthy is your spiritual soul? And how close to God have you drawn not just looking about him or knowing about him, but knowing him. Just that privilege that he's given to us is a, ought to be some type of indication for us. He gave us the privilege of petitioning him in prayer, be able to call him our heavenly Father. We've been told we have the right and the privilege, the honor, and the responsibility to boldly go before the throne of grace. To receive mercy in the time of need. In Hebrews 4 and verse 15. That's what he's given to us. That's the confidence he has in us. That we can have bold access to the throne of grace. We hear the asking you shall receive. Be pressed down, overflowing in abundance. And our mind most times turns to the physical. And very seldom does it really go to the depths of the spiritual. Have have you not been richly blessed by God? It's one of those things, again, that we play the game, but we cannot, ought not to. What if? You know, what if things went this way, or what if this happened? Uh, we approach that time of the, of the year in a few months of uh, the TV movie coming out, uh, it's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. And having that opportunity to see what life would have been like if he had not lived. We don't have that privilege don't have that opportunity. And we have not an opportunity to say, you know, if I had made a different choice, I'd be in a different situation. And I wonder if I would have made that choice. You know, if I, I've heard people say, you know, if, if I had then the knowledge that I have now, I'd make a different decision. If I knew then what I know now, and I've told people, I says, you really think so? Let's just put that into practice for a second in imagination. You know something now, you would redo what you did in the past, but see, 10 years down the road, you're going to come through some different knowledge. And then you're going to want to undo what you what you undid the first time." And sometimes I say, I think I'd better off to leave it alone than to try to mess with it. Why do we do that? Why do we not trust God in working in our lives? That sovereignty of God and his rule in our lives. Scriptures, we're looking, and we're looking a little bit in Isaiah, bring that out. The whole book is just tremendous. But the whole book also describes so many times Man's misunderstanding of the sovereignty of God. Because it does not work in a way that we would prefer it to work. As you look at human history, as you look at the human history of God's people, from Adam and Eve on down, and see the heartaches that have come because of not trusting God. See the loss of life from those who did trust God. And we, we wrestle with that. How could he let the righteous suffer and die and let the wicked prosper? And that's a, a problem that we debate oftentimes. Does not seem fair? Does not seem right? But God has a plan, and we do not know the fullness of that plan as long as we're in the physical body on this earth. Should we worry about our well-being and what's going to happen, what might happen? I'm always interested or amused by the commercials that seem to be dominating television. If you had taken this drug at any time in your life, or if you have used this product at any time in your life, it is now shown that this product is dangerous and you may be subject to substantial Reimbursement, file a claim, call us to see if you're eligible for it. I don't ma- it doesn't matter what it is. If it's drugs, if it's hygiene, whatever it is, it's just whatever you've done anywhere in your life now is subject to lit- to be taken to the courts. And you can get a lot of money. And I often wonder, I bring that up periodically, know, uh, the one that says, um, I carry a big hammer and I get all the people the money, all the money they deserve. I say, where do you really think all that money comes from? If that big trucking company is going to pay out bundles of money to, to settle your claim, what do you think the, the, trucking, the trucking company is going to do? They're going to bump their prices up because <laughs> they've got to cover that loss. Uh, it's, you know, it's just one of those things somebody was talking recently about uh, the health insurance He you, you file a claim or a automobile insurance whatever it is you pay for years and years and you file one claim then they, they want to raise your rates or drop you because they've got to pay off all those claims and we just think well that's okay they give me a you know, million dollars I'll take it you know, whatever it is And why do we go through all of that I understand the world but what about us as children of God. We need to remember that God is in control. That we're never to doubt that. He is in control. He's shown his steadfastness from all that we can see and perceive. We know he's true to his word. But we need to understand more about the sovereignty of God. Declared by the prophets. And you mentioned it this morning a little bit as we were talking about Daniel. Looked a little bit in Isaiah. It's interesting to see God's people given the insight to what's going to unfold in the future. To know that the insight came from God and that he's never lied. He's always kept his word and then they turn around and doubt the insight that they have been given by the prophets of God. Judah, Israel because of your wickedness you're going to go into captivity. No, 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 no they were told they were going to go into Babylonian captivity, the prophet Isaiah talks about it. And they, the false prophets, as Isaiah would not budge from what God had prophesied, the false prophets said, okay, okay, we're going into Babylon, Babylonian captivity, but it's only going to be for a couple of years, and then we're going to come back out. See, that sounds good, doesn't it? We're going in, but it's going to be for a short time. Then we're going to come back out. And I said, "No, nope. seventy years." Tells you when you go in, you might as well build houses because you're going to be there for seventy years. And I like the one where the prophet talks about the good figs and the bad figs. One of the translations says the naughty figs. Not quite sure what naughty figs are, but one of the translations uses the word naughty there. Well, the people reasoned among themselves, and they concluded that those that were going into captivity were going to be the bad figs, and those that stayed in Jerusalem were going to be the good figs. The prophet said, you got it reversed. You got it reversed. The bad figs are saying in Jerusalem, the good figs are going to Babylon. Prophesied out of Babylon, he would call out of Babylon would come the kingdom as the nations would come and rise and fall and so forth God already said how it's going to work and he's already told us as you know this world's going to cease to be it doesn't matter when it's going to cease to be and ours is to be faithful to God So we looked at a little bit this morning as well as we looked at Daniel it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter the circumstances and that's the the beauty of the scriptures as they give us illustration after illustration after illustration. Just look at the scriptures and see God's people, wherever they are, whatever they were doing at whatever particular time, either the promises given to them to bless them if they were faithful and the promises given to them to punish them if they were wicked. And how and why people would do what they do well, I don't know because we haven't learned the lesson yet. We're still repeating those things. You read the end of Joshua. And we know the statement in Joshua 24, 15, for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You choose today whom you're going to serve, but we're going to serve the Lord. And if you read the rest of the, the end of the chapter, it's just amazing. It just floors me, if you will. The People said, we're going to serve the Lord. We promise you we're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua tells him, you need to think about what you just said. You already know the nature of God. You've already seen Him. You've already seen what has happened in the wilderness. You've already seen how the power that He demonstrated bringing the people up out of the land of Egypt. You already know His power and you know His faithfulness. You have promised to be faithful to God and you need to understand what you just did. You promised to be faithful to God. You do not keep your promise. God will keep his. If you're faithful, I will bless you. If you're not faithful to me, you're going to suffer a consequence. Physically and spiritually. That's God speaking. I'm telling you up front, and that has not changed, has it? That's the same statement he's telling us. You're making a commitment. You said, I'm going to walk with the king. You need to understand, you keep that commitment. or there's a consequence. And it doesn't mean I'll keep his commitment, but I'm going to walk, you know, 15 yards behind him. I just kind of want to see with my eyes what's unfolding before I get up there. That's not what we have. God will keep his word. You faithful to him? He said, I will bless you. Jesus said, I have prepared a home for you in heaven. And if I prepared a home for you in heaven, I will come again to take you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. But if you do not keep my word... Read the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Tremendous moral lessons there. Read the end of it. Not everyone who says something to the Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven? Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done? And they will enumerate all these great things. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Whoa. He's talking to people who have claimed and been able to do great signs and miracles. And he's going to tell them one day, I never knew you because you did not keep my commandments. You made a commitment. It's up to you to keep it. When you stumble and when you fall, God gave you a way to come back. Has he not? If you sin, repent, return. Here we restore. That's why he gave us the account of the prodigal son. Beautiful account to read through. To see the love of the father. That when the son departed, when he was gone, he was lost, he was dead. But when he returned, when he came, as the scriptures say, when he came to his senses, came to his right mind, and when he returned home, the father was waiting for him to come home. Not to hear the son plead for mercy. Not to hear the son beg for forgiveness. But to restore the son to sonship. Was not going to be a servant in the household. He was going to be the son and treated as a son. To which the older son did not like that. See, he was wrong too. Lord, I've, Father, I've done all these things. I've kept your word, I've done this, I've done that. and you have never blessed me as you're blessing this son who's prodigal or wasteful in the life. Whoa. tried ever enter into the picture. Well, I've been a faithful child of God for 50, 60 years. I've never missed a service and whatever else it is. How can you bestow this joy on one who has not been that long? The sovereignty of God, they've declared, laid the groundwork. We are the great beneficiaries. The children are, are again in their study on Sunday morning and Wednesday night as well, are learning about the Bible. And that's a tremendous lesson for them to learn. this, catch, catch a glimpse. And it's hard for them, I know, to catch a full impact of what they're learning, as it is sometimes for those of us that are older. But just catch a glimpse of the providence, the sovereignty of God, to allow you to have that in this forum and in your hand and for you to take it wherever you want to take it. That wasn't always so. We forget that after, because we don't think about it that often. The early scriptures were handwritten. You try, you ever tried that? I tried doing a book one time, one of the books, I don't remember which one it was, and that's tough. Even if you're copying, I mean, to copy without making a mistake. And they were so committed that what they were doing was the Word of God. If they made a mistake when they were doing the scrolls earlier, they'd take pieces of material and then they'd write on it and then they'd stitch them together and make a scroll. If they found a mistake on one page of that scroll, they would remove pages on both sides of it and redo them because it was corrupted and rewrite it. And this is what they did for centuries. And then you think about the process. Going from the Hebrew for the Old Testament, Greek for the New Testament, to have it in a language that we can understand. And then they hear some say, well, it's too hard to understand, too difficult to read. And so we've made it simpler, and that's not been good. Some of those translations that make it simpler have twisted and distorted the word of God tremendously. But simply saying, I believe in the providence of God and the sovereignty of God. I believe he cares for his children. I believe he made provisions. We don't realize again how blessed we are to have what we have accessible to us and what's involved in that. It's amazing to me. When I was in Germany, I went to Mainz, Germany and and, uh, to the Gutenberg Press and was able to get a, a page printed on the Gutenberg Press not the original Gutenberg Press. It's a few years old. You know. Now, I didn't say it, but it's a replica of it, the same size and so forth. And for them to print off a page and then to, uh, for you to be able to, to, to get that. I have a CD ROM of the Gutenberg Bible. And I can go in there and I can pull up any page I want and print it off. Only problem is, it's in Latin. (laughs) And I do not read Latin. Or Greek or Hebrew, just put it out there. (laughs) Struggle with the Greek a little bit. But I'm just saying, do I understand the providence of God, the sovereignty of God? His timing? How many times, or we read in, in, in Peter, the prophets, when they made their prophecies, were asking What time are we prophesying about? When are these things going to take place? Is it for our time? Is it for another time? And they were told it's not for you. It's for another time. Do you understand that you are that other time? You are that other time. It's not for them. It is for us. It's for us to have. And it's for us to gain from. Moses had the Ten Commandments. We'd write the Pentateuch the first five books of the Old Testament the other prophets would add unto it then we'd get the apostles and they're adding unto it and it would be centuries before we would be able to put all of that together even on the handwritten copies for us to put that all together for we to have act for us to have access to. And then it's been translated so that you can read it in the language that you understand. And sometimes we've got to be careful about that and to use the old saying that's been out there many times I just want a good old King James Bible. It was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. Uh, Well, you missed something in there. Uh, But, you know, I want that old time religion. Uh, we need to desire to understand what we're really looking for. God wants you to have a relationship with Him. He's made provisions for you and His sovereignty the past, the present, and the future. He's executing that in His will. He wants you to have that access and that freedom to choose. We're reminded as we are in the book of Acts. Saul of Tarsus. And what he did. We haven't faced something like that. We haven't faced somebody breaking down our doors, coming into our house, dragging off the mothers and the fathers. Putting them to death. For no other reason than being a Christian. We have not gone through anything like that. We have not been persecuted to the point that we've been driven out of where we live to distant cities, as they were in the book of Acts chapter 8. Persecution rose into Jerusalem and the disciples were scattered. And they went everywhere hiding. No, they we went everywhere preaching the word. We haven't been through that. That's been given for us to give us some confidence or some assurance. Listen, God is with his people. We need to be convinced that he is, that he does care for us. The songs that we've been singing are not just songs to fill time. The songs are to teach and to admonish one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to listen to it as we're singing his song. As I'm singing, I walk with the king, you're singing, I walk with the king. We're encouraging each other in our voices to say, this is what we're striving to do. We want to walk with the king. We want to be in his service. However it unfolds. His sheltering arms about me is hard to imagine. And I can never, we can never understand what it would be like to be in a world where God was not, because that's an impossibility. God created the universe, so we could never be in a world that God was not. But we're in a world that God is. We're in a world in which God cares, and in a world that God has interacted. You just think about that. God interacting in our lives, allowing us free will to make choices. And that's a a sobering thought to consider. I was going to say scary, but it it needs to be a sobering thought than a scary thought. That I make decisions. I'm making decisions now. I'm making decisions that determine where I will be eternally. And there's only two choices, heaven or hell. And how can I take it lightly? And how can I allow the deception to creep in as it does through the world and through Satan and his influences. How many years has he hammered on us? How many years has he tried to flood our minds by saying, you know, you're you're just a little bit too strict. You're really, well, they'll come out and say, you're just legalistic. You don't have any love of God in you. Well, the scriptures I read says, if you love me, what? You keep my commandments. (laughs) That sounds legalistic to me, if you want to look at it that way. If you love me, you keep my ten suggestions. No, that's not what he says, my commandments. And if God is commanding There are consequences, both of obedience and disobedience. And you get to choose. So as Paul would tell the Ephesians, you need to choose wisely. Make a wise choice. Your eternity weighs in the balance. Where is it this evening? Where is your destiny headed? What direction are you moving in? What's going to be the end result of the life that you currently live and the decisions that you currently make? Have you been to Jesus? Do you know him? Have you allowed him to cleanse you of your sins? Create a new life in you that you could be a child of the living God? Have you been to Jesus? Again, that's what we are teaching each other as we sing. I want you Long for you to be with Jesus, to be His, to love Him from the depths of your heart, so that eternity with Him will be your price. Where is your life this evening? If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.